While he surprised us with his slightly early debut, Sam also made us wait. For seven long years, Megan and her husband John tried to get pregnant. And for seven long years, all of us who loved them and knew what amazing parents they would be prayed for that pregnancy. Megan had some ups and downs, as you might imagine, during those seven years. But even in her lowest lows, I witnessed her as someone who was open and curious about what God might be up to in her life. She always had this light in her, a light that was brighter than the darkness that sometimes comes when our plans are derailed, or when we feel we have waited too long, when we don't know if our deepest dreams will come to fruition, or when our sense of hope has dwindled. In the mysterious realm of unexpected answers to prayers, Megan and John actually became parents a year ago when they adopted their 18-year-old son, Jovan. Then, Megan started a new church community, one that meets on Sunday nights, and worships in the style of summer camp worship. As soon as the church opened, it was full of people who had not been able to find a church that fit them since they graduated from summer camp 10 or 20 or even 30 years before. During the second week of the life of the new church, Megan discovered she was pregnant. And now, there is much joy and fullness where there was once waiting. There are so many things in our lives that we wait for. And I would argue that the biggest things have some element of waiting for God. Waiting to hear God call us to a new vocation or ministry or project or adventure. Waiting for God to help us find clarity or healing or inspiration. Waiting to meet God in births and deaths. This waiting does not ever seem to come with a reliable date and time attached. We do not know when or if our waiting will end. Sometimes we wait for way too long, and sometimes the end of our wait sneaks up on us. Our parable today is about waiting to meet God and is about how we are prepared, or not, as we wait. Ten bridesmaids with lit lamps wait outside of a wedding banquet for the bridegroom to arrive so they can escort him to the place where his bride awaits him. The groom is late, and some of the girls have brought extra oil for their lamps, while others presumably assumed the man would be on time and did not bring extra oil. The ones who did have extra oil were equipped for the unpredictable wait, and so they were present when it was time to process into the wedding feast. The others ran away to buy more oil just as the bridegroom approached. The five with the extra oil on hand reminded me of my friend Megan. Like her, they did not know how long they would be waiting, but they had brought with them all they would need 
keep their light burning through the night. The other five were caught unprepared by the delay. They were ill-equipped. Out of fuel, their lights dimmed and went out. Is there anyone, I wonder, who has not found themselves spiritually or emotionally in this situation? Maybe we get caught unprepared by the surprises and setbacks of life because we have bought into the myth that we have more control and knowledge than we actually have. The unexpected timeline of real life is often incongruent with the timelines of our hopes, plans, and expectations. None of us are real happy about that. But sometimes we are fortified by the light of our faith, and sometimes we are not. In my personal opinion, running out of faith and fuel in the face of all the waiting we end up doing, while not ideal, is completely understandable. I know I've been there. I wonder if you have been there too. There is, I think, quite possibly a bigger mistake made by the foolish bridesmaids in this parable. When they saw the expected one finally arriving, and realized they were out of oil. They chose to run away to find oil to fuel their light. And I wonder what would have happened if they had chosen to stay. Ill-equipped and in darkness as they were, would it not have been better to trust the bridegroom still want them to accompany him? Because as it played out, when the bridegroom arrived, he saw five people waiting for him with bright lights, ready to accompany him. And he saw five people running away. So when he finally met the foolish ones at the door of the feast when they arrived late, I wonder if, as he said, truly I tell you, I do not know you. He was nearly speaking the truth. I do not know you. You did not meet me at our designated meeting spot. I saw the back of your head as you turned and ran away. You did not accompany me on the way. You have not yet given me a chance to know you. That seems to me to be another layer of this parable, maybe the most important layer. Christ wants to know us, and he invites us to accompany him into the kingdom. And by the way, I think that that is happening all the time, and not just at the moment of our earthly death. Sometimes we do have to wait quite a while for the stars to align, in such a way that we can see and hear the invitation to accompany Christ and perceive a way to answer that invitation. But the invitation is always there. And when we can see Christ approaching us along the road to the kingdom, we hope to be equipped by the light of his love. But even if our light is dim, and our oil is low, the invitation stands.
darkness. We are asked to stay so that he might know us and journey with us and us with him. Thank you. 
up, the prices actually going down. Um, uh, down for not only the trip is trip by itself, but the single supplement. But we do need to let you know because we're going out to the wider physical church and other places to let other people know about this trip, which is about the early church. It's very, very interesting. So I hope that maybe you will consider signing up and going with us in March.
and allowed to be about. First, because it's how training functions. Uh, you've heard this before, but over 90% of our income comes from pledges. We don't have a big endowment to lean on. Uh, second, because pledging is a way to give back to God uh, the gifts that each of us has been granted. And I encourage you uh, to refer to the stewardship pamphlet that was scaled out in the coffee at the church. So thank you. Uh, yesterday we had our diocesan convention in Lynn at St. Stephen's in Lynn. It was a wonderful convention. Our new bishop is uh, very impressive. Uh, he is quick, he is bright, he is very spiritual, and uh, in his address uh, and convention, he said that many of you told him that he had his big shoes to fill. And he said, Yes, he said, I know. Tom's shoes are big shoes. That was for Tom. I have to fill my own shoes. <laughs> so this coming year, he is going to spend it listening and getting to know us. And he said he will become patient with my patience. So he's going to be very patient here again. He will be visiting us on Trinity Sunday, which I think is the 31st of May of the Democratic. And that will be uh, in part to his regular visit of Bishop's also to dedicate the building. So we now have a start date and needs to be done. Just a quick announcement. There will not be youth group this afternoon. There's youth group almost every single Sunday afternoon, but it will not happen this Sunday afternoon. Come see us next Sunday afternoon and we're going to do um, hopefully we're going to do a wonderful art project and then go out in the woods with lanterns.
creator of heaven and earth, for you are the source of life to life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore we pray, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn, proclaim the glory of Uh-huh. 
Thank you. 